you know, I speak a lot about process and making sure that you have the right processes in place so that you can scale. Because, you know, if you want to be able to get past just the founders, you want other people to come in and repeat what you've done, you need a scalable, repeatable process. Well, part of that is documentation. How are you documenting your process? How are you making sure that the next person can do exactly what you've done so that they can take it and be just as good? I spoke with Ken Babcock. He's from Tango. Tango is a really slick product. And Ken has a lot of experience with this documentation in his past years with Uber, where they are big on it. And he walked us through some of the best things you can do to make sure you are documenting your processes so that you can scale the way you need to scale. So you can grow and get your team and your company where it needs to be. You're going to like this one. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Yes, welcome. This is Sastery in the Making. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate having you here. My name is Matt Wallach. I am your host. My job is to help software leaders accelerate their business so they can get awesome, awesome results, amazing valuations, high close rates, all the fun stuff. And today I am talking with Ken Babcock. Ken, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Absolutely. I'm super thrilled to have you here. So let me make sure everybody knows who you are, Ken. So Ken is the co-founder at Tango. And Tango's free-to-use product is a Chrome extension that automatically creates written step-by-step how-to guides in real time without the need for video recording. Really, users complete their process in the browser while Tango transcribes actions, URLs, and screenshots. It's super slick. Can't wait to talk to him about that. He's also formerly a founder at Atomic. Ken really knows his stuff when it comes to product and growth, and I'm, I'm really excited to learn more from him. So once again, Ken, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, totally. Excited to share more about Tango and, and kind of how we got here. I can't wait to hear it. But first, just tell me what's going on lately with you and what do you have coming up? Yeah, I mean, exciting stuff for us. You know, you're catching me at a great week. Um, two big, two big uh, stories coming out of Tango. Um, we just raised our Series A, uh, which is super exciting. So, um, congrats! Series A round led by Tiger with uh, participation from Slack Fund, uh, Atlassian Ventures as well. Uh, we raised a 14 million dollar round, which is going to allow us to, you know really double the size of the team and accelerate a lot of our, our product development, which we'll, which we'll get into. Um, and then the second piece that, you know, we've been working really hard on sort of behind closed doors is um, an evolution of our product uh, called Workspaces. Um, it's actually taking that Tango experience that our users have known to, to, um, to love and, and expanding it to the team. So it's, it's going from kind of like a single player experience to, uh, a multiplayer experience. So you can get your whole team on Tango, start sharing processes, um, making those accessible and discoverable. So uh, I can share more about that too, but uh, you're catching me in a good week. I bet. Super awesome. Congratulations to you for all that. That's fantastic. Can you just give us all kind of a rundown of Tango and what it does and who it helps? Yeah, absolutely. So Tango is um, it's a Chrome extension as well as a desktop app. Uh, we actually released a desktop app uh, about a month ago. Number one piece of feedback we always heard was, you know, I love that you guys capture everything I do in the browser, but let's go outside the browser. Um, and so what we do is uh, we basically streamline the process of creating documentation, which is a pain point for every function, every team, every company. It's, you know, how do I leave that paper trail of what I know, that institutional know-how, uh, such that someone can pick it up and run with it? 
Um, and what we found is that, you know, within organizations, there's a problem around documentation creation because it's, you know, it's, it's sort of tedious. It's a secondary priority. There's also a problem around staleness because there's such a high hurdle to creating it. Things go stale. People have to become like the owners and managers of those pages and they don't want to do that. And so, you know, Tango basically allows you to quickly and easily create that documentation as you're going through your process. So um, think about maybe entering a lead into Salesforce. You know, you've got all these different boxes that you check, fields that you fill out, um, you know, before that lead is fully entered. Let's say you want to turn on Tango and just capture that step by step. Um, we just kind of sit in the background, observe what you do, every action that you take. We take a screenshot. We take an automated description. And then once you're done, we automatically spit out a step-by-step -step tutorial that you can share with your team. So wow. um, a pretty, pretty awesome product. I think, you know, sales teams do benefit a ton, um, but also customer support, customer success, any team that's really, you know, highly operational in what they do or has repeatable tasks that need to be followed. Uh, I think we're a great fit for which is really any team in your organization, I feel like. I mean, across the organization, if you're not systematized and having processes, you're 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 going to struggle to really grow and scale and get past just the early people. So I think that that's phenomenal. What what led you to starting this? How did that come about? Yeah, it's, a, it's sort of a confluence of factors, I would say. Um, you know, I mean, to to your point around scaling a business, uh, I spent four and a half years at at Uber. Um, during some of those periods of, of rapid scales, 2014 to around 2018. Oh, wow. And Uber was actually exceptional at documentation. You know, I think uh, there's sort of the, the famous playbook of Uber when we were going into a new market and launching that. So teams had this like DNA ingrained in them around documentation, around, hey, you know what? You're going to do this. You're going to show people how to do it. And then they're going to go do it. Um, and we scaled our team from, you know, I think it was when I joined probably 800 people globally to 5,000 within a year. And so you needed wow. that. Um, so without really knowing it, I had grown accustomed to, you know, basically like the high watermark of documentation within organizations. And then I met my co-founders, Brian and Dan at Harvard Business School uh, when we enrolled there in the fall of 2019. Um, and the thing that we kept talking about, we, you know, we all wanted to do something entrepreneurial um, we kept talking about, you know, teams. It was just like a common theme that kept coming up. You know, how do you elevate the performance of teams? How do you take what a high performer does and scale that to the rest of the team? Um, and that's where we sort of identified that hurdle of documentation and how, you know, that high performer who's taking on a lot of work, doing it really well, they don't necessarily want to be distracted by creating documentation. And if they do, it's like at the end of the day where they've already, you know, they've already had a, had a long, busy day. True. And so um, that was a lot of the initial inspiration. I think um, Brian, our CTO also, you know, kind of had this idea for um, what he called Twitch for work. Uh, this idea that people would want to watch the very best within their teams such that they could get up leveled and, uh, and upskilled. And so, um, you know, I think, I think the initial idea of sort of like streaming what somebody does had like some nuggets of what Tango is today, um, especially as we started talking to teams and understanding what the, what they would need. I love it. I love that you took from kind of other industries and applied it here. That's so so cool, so smart. And you know, I understand you guys got the most upvotes on Product Hunt out of thirty two thousand companies. How exactly did you make that happen? 
Yeah. Um, so for those who aren't familiar, you know, Product Hunt is a is a site to find the the best new products in tech. Um, and so we launched on Product Hunt in the fall of 2021. Um, I think we you know we ended 2021 as the most with the most upvotes, but I think Product Hunt officially recognized us as number two. So we're still a little bitter about that. But <laughs> yeah, I would be I would be upset for sure. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, I think what it is, and there's so many articles out there about how to game product hunt and how to, you know, basically figure out all these workarounds to, to get yourself in the top products of the day. Um, for us, I think it was just a very clear pain point and very clear messaging about that pain point. Um, we knew that documentation was painful. We knew that the people feeling that were going to be end users, people that were going to want to download this product. And, you know, so everything that we talked about, you know, in our post on Product Hunt, in our launch video, in the actual product, it was, you know, basically saying, hey, we know, we know you're spending a ton of time creating documentation. Let's cut that, you know, let's cut that down by like 80%. Um, and that really resonated. And, and I think that, you know, that initial launch was so successful that allowed us to really carry a lot of momentum beyond that. So product time was a great launch pad for us. Yeah, I can imagine. So that's, that's, that's phenomenal that that worked out so well. Uh, one of the things I want to ask is, okay, you got that product hunt, I'm sure was a big boost. Anything else you guys did in those early days to kind of get some, some early adoption in the market? Yeah, I think, you know, um, for us, it's, it's been, it's always been about listening to customers. Um, and we basically pushed ourselves to continue to focus on those those power users that we had and listen to them and listen to their feedback to be able to continue to iterate on the product. I think, you know, having a focus on the customer is something that a lot of companies talk about um, and in practice maybe don't maybe don't actually have that focus. And it is hard, especially as you're scaling and growing and you have more users. It's it's really hard to remember that you know, you have you have people that are going to give you really valuable feedback. But what was great about Product Hunt is we actually got about 10,000 users in the first two weeks. And so that was a group that we could tap into and say, um, you know, hey, what's your feedback on this feature? What's your feedback on that? Actually, you know, can we talk about some new features that we're actually planning for? Um, and that was that was invaluable because that also allowed us to kind of look at our user base, segment them based on role and function and say, okay, who is this actually, you know, serving? Um, who's who's getting the most value out of this, and who can tangibly explain like why they're getting the most value out of it? And so, uh, that customer piece was huge. And then, you know, I think some other stuff that benefited us as well. Uh, and this is just the nature of the product, the nature of Chrome extensions. It's a it's sort of a passive product, right? It's in it's in the background. It's up in your browser. Uh, the nature of what we're doing is you know we're sort of this layer on top of all these other tools that you're using right you're mm -hmm. using all this stuff you have this process we sit on top of that to help you document it and so the passive sort of behind the scenes nature of the product um, also allowed people to activate really quickly um, it wasn't something that they had to go through a robust onboarding you know have this app and you know kind of get configured around it and integrate it into all of their workflows we actually just sat on top of everything and the way our workflow capture, um, you know, functions is that it works on any website and anything in the browser. So it doesn't have to be a native integration. There's no implementation involved. Um, as long as it's a website that we can read, 
then, you know, we're capturing workflows, which I think also helps because, you know, so for some other tools, you know, people are used to kind of that struggle of implementation. Um, so that, that time to value that you talk about or time to activation mm -hmm. for us was very, very quick. That's phenomenal. That's a big thing. I actually, uh, somebody else on the, on the show just talked about getting to that time to value and making sure that your early adopters or your, or your, or your users get that first value to happen quickly. So I think that that's uh, awesome that you guys are seeing that happen so quickly. What, if you think of documentation in most organizations, what's broken? What are, what are the organizations doing wrong that they need to improve on? It's honestly that they can't keep up and it's not, it's not anything wrong per se. It's, it's usually just that headcount outgrows their documentation stack or uh, the business outgrows documentation. Um, we talked to a lot of users, this is before the product was live, but potential users. Um, and one of the questions we asked that I always loved was, you know, when you look at a piece of documentation, whether it's, you know, an article or a wiki, how old does it need to be for you to say, oh, this is out of date? And some people said three weeks. Wow. And that for us was like a big aha moment where we said, you know, let's let's focus on that speed to creation rather than say like comprehensiveness or thoroughness of documentation. It was really about how do we make this just so quick and easy such that when things change, it's as easy as just recording another tango. Um, and so that, that staleness problem, that's what we call it, the staleness problem, that persists across, you know, tons of companies and, and it especially affects the ones that are high growth. Um, and it feels like, you know, with those companies that are high growth and things are outgrowing them very quickly, you know, they, they have almost like the most pronounced need to be able to get a hold on their processes and documentation because it's like, okay, we've got all these new people. We've got to onboard them. We've got to make sure things are up to date. We've got to get them, you know, out in the field, in the market, actually delivering value to the business. And so I think that that's something where, you know, maybe maybe today we're focused on creation, but down the road, you know, that that staleness is going to become a more robust part of our product. Yeah, I can imagine that for sure. And you're so right. I mean, most of our listeners are in the SaaS world and in SaaS, you're changing things so much. You're iterating on the product and releasing. And, and, you know, after you do that, all of your documentation now is out of date. And when you just said three weeks, that just hit me. I, I remember a lot of our knowledge bases just being like, oh man, how do we keep up with updating this knowledge base and getting it, you know, up to speed where the product is. And it's very frustrating as a leader for me to put a knowledge base out that you say is going to help a user, but then it's, showing the wrong screens and telling them the wrong steps based on what the current product is like. It's just so frustrating. Yeah. And the, and the creator of documentation also feels that burden, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's also one of these like cognitive barriers to actually putting something out there. You're like, oh, now I have to be like basically the support person for that article and it's going to get out of date quickly and people are going to have questions and I can't guarantee that I'm going to have, you know, all the answers or be able to update it in time. And so, um, that's where, you know, we've seen people really embrace. I mean, we have some just like raving fans of Tango, um, because it, it solves a lot of that, that burden as well. That's awesome. And having those raving fans is huge. I bet you guys get a lot of business from referrals or from word of mouth and anything like that. Right. So we, yeah, we have spent very little on paid marketing. 
Um, and so since that launch in September of 2021, uh, we've eclipsed 100,000 users, 25,000 teams, and it's it's predominantly organic, um, you know, and, and referral driven. And, and referrals, we also, you know, kind of encompass that with, yeah, so you, you're bringing people from your team, but but also are you, uh, are you putting testimonials out there? I mean, we've seen people review Tango on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram. I mean, it's it's wild. And so we'll we'll um, you know we'll see in our surveys where people are coming from, and it'll be some video that no one's seen, but someone was like, "Oh man, I found this thing Tango. It's it's amazing. You got to try it." Um, so we're starting to get some of the like, you know, paid marketing engines and some of those repeatable channels up, but we've gotten to this point largely organically and referral driven. That's awesome. That's so cool when that happens. Have you guys done anything to kind of make that happen and kind of push that process along to maybe give people bonuses or anything like that benefits for sharing the good word? Um, you know, we haven't yet, uh, but we started, we started dabbling in, um, you know, sort of some influencer marketing on TikTok. Um, you know, I, I think we do have plans to kind of build out more of a community. I think Notion is a great example of a product that does this really, really well. Um, you know, people are using Notion all kinds of ways. Same thing with Tango. Um, and the community that they've established is about sharing, you know, hey, here's how I'm using this. Or like, hey, here's a workflow that I created. Could be relevant to you. And so um, we're still in the early days of that. But uh, we have, you know, sort of big plans on the on the community side as well. That's very cool. I love that stuff. So you worked at big companies in the past, you talked about Uber, and now you're at a startup. What have you taken from the big stuff and and working there that you can apply here and what's different? Yeah, that's a good question. I like that question too, because I think in the startup world, um, you know, and even in founder communities, you know, people are very quick to write off big companies. Um, cause it, it just, it's easy, right? You, it feels very binary. Oh no, I'm a startup guy. I'm a founder guy, yeah. I'm not a big company guy. Um, Good point. but honestly, I have taken so much from my experiences at, um, Deloitte, which was, which is where I started right out of college, um, in their consulting practice. And then Uber, which, you know, I, like I said, I joined when it was 800. That's a big company. <laughs> I left when it was 25,000. That's a really big company. Wow. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a few skills that I think I, I took from that. You know, Deloitte was all about client service. And so understanding how to present yourself in situations where um, you're selling or you're dealing with a customer or, you know, someone's upset with you and you need to process that. Uh, and then with Uber, you know, I think what was, what was awesome about Uber was a super entrepreneurial culture. Um, we actually had this, this, core value um, that was, you know, effectively the best ideas win. And so regardless of what your level was, what your seniority was, what your organizational clout or tenure was, um, if something was a great idea, whether it's, you know, a solution to a huge challenge or a big opportunity to go after, um, we could go after it, you know, and I, and I learned that really quickly there. And I think that started building a lot of those entrepreneurial muscles in me to see, to say, Hey, if something's broken, how would we go about fixing it? Um, so Uber was, you know, it was a big company, but with a lot of little entrepreneurial pockets. Um, I saw a lot of my colleagues also leave Uber, go off, start businesses, have a lot of success. 
Um, and that gave me the confidence to say, okay, actually, I'm, I, I could probably go do this. Um, cause I would say, you know, coming out of college, it wasn't something where I could say, oh, I'm going to go found a company someday. I needed to build those skill sets. So I take a lot from those experiences and I'm very grateful for them. That's awesome to hear. I love it. And, and talking about seeing others do it, uh, I have a, a coaching group of SaaS founders. And when one of them shares a success, something that they've been able to accomplish, it's so funny seeing the others able to go out and do that because now they see that it's not theory. It's not something that's just kind of hopeful. They know that it's real. They know it can happen. And when they apply the same principles and the same process, they go and crush it. And so it's really cool to see that. So I love that you've been able to, to do that as well. Um, Wrapping up here, what advice would you give to other software founders who are just getting started? What what would you tell them that could help them? Yeah, maybe this is my advice for for first time founders because uh, I because I very much put myself in that in that bucket. I mean, Atomic was a great experience for me, but that was kind of founding with training wheels. It was an incubator. I had a lot of support. I learned a lot, um, but it wasn't wasn't quite the same as Tango. So, you know, for the first time founders. Um, which myself and my two co-founders, we all, we all are in that mold. Um, I think the biggest thing or the, or the trait that has um, played the biggest role in our success is just a willingness to admit when we don't know something, um, which is really hard because when you're a founder, you're teetering this line of like, I have conviction. I have really strong conviction around where we're going. I have a vision of where we're going and that's what you have to sell. But internally and day to day, you have to kind of raise your hand and say, you know what, I don't know anything about growth marketing. I'm going to go find people, ask them, learn a ton about it, um, come back and, and try to apply it similar to what you're saying about the coaching group. And so, you know, I've been introduced to a ton of founders that also have this sort of humility um, and, and ability to kind of say, okay, you know what, I don't know it, but I'm going to go out and figure it out. Um, and I think that, you know, the three of us, we, we sort of have that in spades. And so, um, to me that that's sort of a counterintuitive thing <laughs> about, about founding a company because so much of the, so much of the external perspective is like, wow, that person is very high conviction, knows exactly what they're talking about, knows exactly where they're going. And it's like, well, actually, <laughs> you know, if you were to, if you were to look below the surface, there's, you know, there's a lot of frenzy that's going on. So. That's, that's the advice that I would give is, is be humble, ask people that are, you know, better at something than you are and, and try to soak up that knowledge. I think that's super awesome advice. I hope others follow it. This has been really, really cool hearing your experience, Ken, and it looks like you guys are doing some great stuff at Tango. So I'm super excited you came on the show. I want to make sure people can learn more about you and, and Tango. What are the best ways for them to do that? The absolute best way is tango.us. Um, that's, you know, on that, you'll see kind of our offerings, plans, use cases, learn more about the team, uh, our jobs page. We're also we're also hiring. I know, you know, people like to talk about kind of the changing market dynamics right now, but fresh off of our Series A and um, looking to grow more, you know, we're, we're still hiring. So that's kind of your one stop shop, tango.us. Perfect. We'll put that into the show notes and in the description down on YouTube. So everybody can go check that out. Definitely an awesome product and obviously great leadership behind it. So Ken, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Matt. It was a lot of fun.
Likewise, I learned a lot and it was great to hear about your experience and everybody out there. Thank you for coming. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit that subscribe button right now. You do not want to miss anybody else coming in, sharing their experiences, helping you grow and scale. So really, really want to make sure you come to the next one, but thank you for listening to this one and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you.